welcome to this week's episode of the Public Health Report. I'm your host this week, Dr. April Moreno. While our students and interns are preparing for finals at the moment, so I wish them all the best during this time. And in the meantime, I'll be hosting for this week of the Public Health Report. In this episode, we're going to be talking about perimenstrual symptoms and exercise, keto and low-carb diets for type 2 diabetes, and the future of precision medicine for public health. Our first article this week takes place in Japan. It's an article about the relationship between the severity of perimenstrual symptoms and regular exercise habits in Japanese young women. It's a cross-sectional online survey by Rami Mizuta and others. And in this study, they discuss perimenstrual symptoms, another word for PMS, as a major health concern for women and how it affects mood and pain, a variety of symptoms. So in this study, they compared the effectiveness of exercise to reduce the severity of premenstrual or perimenstrual symptoms. And they did find that out of 282 young women who were surveyed in this study, that the exercise group had significantly low premenstrual distress scores on a on a menstrual distress questionnaire that they used in their testing. They found that exercise habits may reduce the severity of PMS and could help to develop non-pharmacological coping strategies. Our second article today compares the effectiveness of ketogenic versus low-carb diets for weight control and glycemic index for patients with type 2 diabetes. And this was a systematic review and meta-analysis. This is published on May 31st, 2022 by Haini Zaki and other authors. And so in this study, they identified that in a comparison of five electronic databases from 2000 to 2022 on the ketogenic diet and low carb for type 2 diabetes, they found that overall the ketogenic diet was more effective in reducing HbA1c and body weight than the low carb diet. Therefore, they can summarize that the ketogenic diet was a more effective dietary therapy. However, there was a need, as they say here, to balance the weight loss and glycemic control benefits of the ketogenic diet compared to increased cardiovascular risks for type 2 diabetes patients. Our third story this week is from the journal Nature, and it is more of a discussion on the future of precision medicine. So, well, in this article, it's more of a discussion on the future and the feasibility of what precision medicine can do. For Caitlin Allen, who is an epidemiologist in South Carolina, Charleston. Her quote here is that you're doing all the things you normally do in public health, but the unique aspect of precision medicine is that you're using big data and predictive analytics to be more targeted and tailored for those efforts. But Sandro Galea of Boston University School of Public Health claims that we're all looking for the silver bullet, but there isn't one. His concern is that the precision approach may be taking attention away from public health as in general as we focus on technology versus foundations that will help more people and more lives. Precision approaches are kind of zooming in on how we can focus in on the health of individuals uh, in more unique ways with big data analytics. And Dr. Galea has many issues with 
use of precision medicine. There are some problematic aspects to it because of, again, it, it focuses too much on the big data technologies than the traditional methods that we use in public health. The precision means individuals, not populations. That is a concern for others as well. For example, at the University of Liverpool, Dr. David Taylor Robinson. Precision public health may be an oxymoron. So there's a lot here in the discussion of precision public health, precision medicine, and this is a newer topic. So stay tuned as this discussion continues. And some people do believe there is a way to bring these two things together, new technology with old school public health. In terms of targeting treatments for populations and individuals, it could help to pinpoint interventions for individuals in need of more help. So there may be a health equity aspect and piece to precision medicine that could definitely be beneficial to public health. So stay tuned for more discussion on this topic over the coming months and years ahead. And that is the public health report for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please follow us and like our episodes, our podcast. To learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com where we have three other podcasts as well as a directory of public health podcasts that are out there. Also, if you are a podcaster and wish to join our directory, please reach out by visiting our site and clicking the button to join. Thank you so much for listening in today. And again, I'm your host this week, Dr. April Moreno. Hope you enjoyed the episode.